Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 107. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Clifford Starks, a former UFC and Bellator fighter and a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. He talked about his wrestling and MMA career, and my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him about his mindset towards entrepreneurship when he stopped fighting. His answer inspired me to title this episode, Put Your Reps In. After the interview, stick around for my final thoughts when I expand on the hedgehog principle from the book Good to Great that Cliff shared with us. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Clifford Starks. Cliff is the owner of Starks Transformational Coaching. He attended the ASU in Arizona where he wrestled and graduated in kinesiology. Cliff is a former UFC and Bellator fighter with a record of 14 and 5. He's also a jiu-jitsu purple belt under Steve Rosenberg. He has been in the fitness industry since 1996, and through his journey of fighting and coaching, he believes it has always been more than just transforming the body, but the mind and spirit play key factors to one's success as well. He feels honored to be given the opportunity to work with many clients on their mind, body, and spirit, helping others live happier, more fulfilled lives. Cliff, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, Gustavo, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. For people who don't know, Cliff and I know each other from, from AZ Combat Sports. He is an active com uh, competitor in the jiu-jitsu scene in Arizona as well. So he has a lot of experience in, in wrestling and fighting and, and with being an entrepreneur, making it happen, being a speaker. And so we have a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's do this. How was your beginning in wrestling? Before we get in, into to the fighting, how was the, the desire to start wrestling? Yeah, so I actually started in high school. And what was super funny is we did a camp. And after the camp, I was like, oh, I want to do this regularly. And so when season started, our coach took us through the, like this growing conditioning. I didn't even know what, was, what conditioning was. And I got done and I'm like, man, what did we do wrong? Like, why did he punish us like that? And the guy's like, you never heard of conditioning? And I'm like, Condi that's something we do regularly? And he's like, yeah, we got to get in shape for the season. And I'm like, damn, I didn't know what I was signing up for, but I, I've been doing it ever since. And how old were you? How old was I at the time? Yeah. 16. 16, 16 years old. 
So how was for you competing back then in wrestling? Because I, I, we're going to talk about a lot of mindset too, because as we always talk here in the podcast, mm -hmm. things, lessons that be, are just transferred to our lives. So how, how did you feel mentally when you started training, when, uh, sorry, start competing? Did you feel pretty comfortable? Was kind of like a process that little by little started feeling more comfortable? Yeah, you know, so the, the comfort gets better and the competition also gets higher. You know, and I, I know you knew, know that through jujitsu is eventually you get to a position to where everyone's trying to beat everybody else. And the other piece of it is you always, at least for me, I always have that nervous feeling because it means that I care about it. It's not this nervousness like it's it's unstoppable, like I can't move and I'm frozen, but it's a nervousness of this is something you care about and you want to do really well at it. And when did you decide to go to college to pursue wrestling and get and try to, did you get a scholarship? Yeah. So I ended up getting a scholarship after, so I went to Mesa community college first and I got a scholarship in football and track for doing that. And then when I went to ASU, I walked onto the team without a scholarship. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you know, Cain Velasquez. Yeah. Yeah, so I was wrestling with him. He's a nightmare to go with. And um, I was his main training partner. And I had to, I was getting ready to quit. I was talking to Tom Ortiz about quitting because I needed to get a job. I just, my finances didn't make it sustainable for me to just go to school and train. And so I spoke with him and uh, he was kind enough to give me a scholarship to help me continue to wrestle with the team. Right on. And now how was the transition for that to MMA? And then eventually you, you found out about jiu-jitsu. But how yeah. Was, yeah, so how was that transition to start the MMA? Um, it's quite a bit different because I had never really I'd never thrown a punch. I'd never been in a fight before. And so that was quite a transition. And the one thing I had going for me is you, you talk about little by little, right? Putting it in. And it's just, if you just put enough effort into something, you'll get good at it. And I've just always kind of flown with that. Like sometimes the more talented people don't end up going as far as they need to go because they naturally have basic skills, but that will only get you so far. And so I've learned that all through my journey. And so ultimately, if I, if I want it bad enough, I'm just going to keep practicing it until I get good at what I want to get good at. And what about like the difference of you wrestling high school? And then of course the level goes up and mentally, how was the difference of preparation and competition? Because it's definitely, it's a lot more intense. Yeah. You know, that's a, a great, great point. Um, when I was a big fish in a small pond, it was easy to maintain at a high level the entire time. When I was a big fish in a really big ocean, you know, it, things changed quite a bit. First off, I was getting tossed around like a kid when I first started. I had to get, I had to learn how to get to that level. And I remember I got taken down, this guy was 147 pounds. And I said, I'm like, man, I was a state champion. And the guy goes, we're all state champions here. <laughs> so <laughs> that was one of those things where I'm like, okay, fair enough. 
and I ended up putting it together and getting better. But I also had to know when to rest and let my body recover so it could go through its growth process too. Like you can't go consistent, 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 because you're going to break your body down and you won't be able to finish out the entire season. So you got to be really smart with that stuff. And how was mentally, how did you feel going into your first fight, MMA fight? Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying. It was something so new. I remember when they put the wraps on me. So Trevor was wrapping my hands up. And in my head, I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm really getting ready to do this. Like, this is going down. And I'm walking to the cage and my brain's just like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You don't have to get into the cage. Oh, crap, we're in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, what are the things, I think the similarities maybe you have as a fighter and as an entrepreneur, I mean, it's the beginning of the struggles, you know? Uh, how was to make a living in being a professional fighter? How was to balance that? Because sometimes people see people in a UFC and they assume that, like, oh, wow, they these guys, they have the life and they're... They make tons of money and they don't see like a man. It's uh, it's hard. It's really hard to make in uh, making MMA, making the UFC and make a living yeah. fighting. So how was for you to balance all that? Yeah, you know, um, if you enjoy it, it's worth it. But you have to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, don't do it. It's just not worth it. Uh, but you're right. It's about balancing everything. And what I loved about professional fighting so much is it does, it, it brings in the professionalism and the fighter, the primal piece and putting the two together. And the professional always acts professionally, you know, in their career with their wife, you know, that's me, this is me personally now, I'm talking about with my wife, with my family, with my friends, with my, and do right by everyone that I'm doing right by. Now, how was, your first experience in the UFC, again, mentally speaking, because I've been, mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to be in corners too with a, a lot of fighters and man, yeah. it's nerve wracking, you know, especially the UFC. How was for you? Yeah, it was euphoric. I guess the best word would be euphoric. It was a, I was just taking it all in. I was so excited. I was so nervous. I was under the big lights. And that's an opportunity. You know, we can only get we can only get better from the opportunities that we're given. And I always say win, lose, or draw. I don't know how um, a match is ever going to play out. But I know if the best Clifford Stark shows up, he'll be better for showing up if he just does his best. And what about the transition of the decision to stop fighting and then uh, changing careers? So how was the moment? It was actually happening in my last fight. So it's probably the worst time to be thinking about this. <laughs> like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. But I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't want to get hurt. Um, I have a son to race. And... It was happening while I was fighting, and I'm like, let me protect myself from the rest of this fight and do the best that I can, but it looks like it's time to walk away and change into a new path. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah, that's what led me into my entrepreneurial journey 
and it's been a fun one. Yeah, so let's talk more about this, about your coaching program. So what exactly you focus on helping people with? So ultimately, it comes down to three things, and that is going to be getting your mindset right, being accountable, and having the right strategy. I think when people get those three things down, they pretty much become unstoppable because if they know what they need to do, they take the necessary actions to do it, and they're passionately burning through it, they'll grow into whatever they need to grow into. That's what things come down to. And one of the things you will have a lot of people who listen to the, uh, to the podcast who are in transition. Sometimes they've been working on something. They're like, ah, wish I was doing something else. People to have plans yeah. of going to the entrepreneurial world. But it's always taking that leap. It's, uh, that's what holds a lot of people back. In your case, I mean, when you finish fighting, I was like, wow, it's time. You know, you have to go. So how has been your mindset since you decided like, okay, I'm all in with the coaching? Um, I think our mindsets are, are always developing and changing, you know, and, and uh, we're getting, we get better at what we put the reps in. You know, when we put the reps in, we get better in whatever we're looking to do. And there was something called, it, it's called the hedgehog, it's the hedgehog concept. And it's from a book, uh, Good to Great, from Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. And he talks about like getting three things right, right? You get those three things right and you'll be pretty solid. And it's, you're absolutely passionate about it. Like you're 100%, you enjoy doing this thing. And then the second, it, it's something you can do that will help with your economic engine. So it financially can sustain you because you can be passionate about a bunch of things, but if people aren't paying you for being passionate in it, it doesn't really do anything for you. And the third, you can do it unlike anybody else can do it. Like what's the one thing that you can do better than everybody else? And when you can get those three things down, you'll be pretty set, you know? Like mine went from, I wanted to fight because I wanted to compete. I wanted to see how far I could go. And I wanted to win that UFC belt and it didn't happen that way, but I, I gave it my all and it's part of my journey now. And it's part of my story. And now my journey is focusing on coaching, focusing on, on helping people be the best that they absolutely can be mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Cause we know we all want to be the best. Like everybody wakes up thinking, they don't think like, man, I really want to screw up today. Like <laughs> they want to do best practices. But in order to do best practices, it's about having the right environment and the right support system to hold you accountable to your greatness. What are some, maybe some examples of, or some stories of, we don't have, of course, to mention names, but some transformations yeah. that your most powerful transformations that you've seen in some clients? Yeah. So I had one woman, uh, she was very overweight. I won't say the exact weight she was at, but it was closer to the 300 pounds. And we had a conversation and I told her, if you're ready to really do this and turn it into something completely different, I'm going to, I'll guide you through the journey because I believe you can do it. I believe in you. Sometimes that's the start. You know, it's the simple things that make the big difference. 
And when we start getting simple with things, instead of overcomplicating it, then we start moving in the direction we need to move into. I say if a person, if a person can get a percent better every day, that's 365% better for that year. And so if we just focus day by day, we're not focusing on, you can get 365% better. Like, nope, don't think about that, right? If you have a white belt that you're training, you're not going to tell them like, yeah, you'll be beating all these black belts over here. Like that's almost too much for them. It's just like, let's just get the basics down first. And then the basics start coming and they're enjoying that. And they're like, oh, I want to learn more. Oh, I want to do more. Oh, I want to go further. And so I just challenge people on some of their beliefs and some of their beliefs are it's too hard. I can't do it. I tried diets. I tried this over here. I tried this thing over here. Well, have you tried my system? You know, and when you try my system, like I have a success rate because my success rate is really going in on, okay, what do you want? What do you want? And why do you want it? And I, I actually remember you asking me about that question, which is kind of interesting. Um, when I started training with you mm-hmm. and you were talking to me about like, Hey, how important is jujitsu to you? You know, and I respect you for asking that question because that's important. Like, it's not something like, Oh yeah, I want to try it a little bit and dabble in it and see how I do because half ass actions are going to lead to half ass results every single time. That's the one thing I can guarantee. And so when I can figure out what it is that they want, then that's when we start attacking it. And so we figured out like, oh, it was, it's just those voices in her head that she happened to start believing. It's like, all right, we're going to knock those voices out and get to work. No. And 90 pounds. So when she first started, uh, we weren't even planning on going this far. We just wanted to start. I go, look, let's try and get five pounds off. And she ended up losing 30 pounds in a little over a month. Now, I wouldn't recommend that for many, but she was that, that overweight. So when you're that overweight, you lose weight a little bit faster than everybody else. And so after that, it was over. At, like, she had already gotten her fix and said, I want to see how far this can go. And she's 107 pounds lighter now, you know, nice. and that took 10 months, 10 months. That's incredible. Now, have you ever fired a client? Because that's one of the things to some people, they say that they, they want to until things start getting uncomfortable, you know? So, sure. but like saying like, Hey, do you really want to do this? And if they say like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not a good fit for you. So it, has it happened before? Yeah. So I fired one and then I ended up rehiring him. So, cause the first time and I, I let people know that there's time and there's place. I believe in everybody. I believe anyone can do what they want to do in given time, but I don't have time to drag you and make it happen for you. I cannot make it happen for you. It is impossible. And so, and I told them, I'm like, if you keep over here and I keep believing you can be over here, but you're just going to stay here, then we're going to have to cut. I have to cut you loose. Like it's just not going to work. And so it happened. And I go, look, I got love for you. I still believe in you. I'll never stop believing in you. If you're ever ready, you know where to find me. He's like, but I'm paying you. 
I'm like, you're not paying me anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> what it is. And he ended up coming back three, three years later. And he said, I'm ready now. And um, he's been crushing it. Right on, man. And what about with entrepreneurs that you, you coach? What are mm -hmm. some of the difficulties that you see? Some of the main things that you see people going through, some of the main struggles. My biggest one, I would say, is when we're talking about strategy, it's not the strategy implementation. It's we are bombarded with strategies. Like we have so much stuff. And it's like if you try and chase two rabbits at the same time, you're not going to catch either. And so what gets people in trouble is it, it would be like you teaching, okay, we're going to teach an arm bar, a Kimura, an Americana, a knee bar. And yeah, we're going to do that in an hour. I hope you learn it all. Like, it's just like, mm -hmm. it's too much. It's too much. And so what entrepreneurs will do is they, they're like, I'll, I'll try and figure it out on my own. And so they'll be searching through so many different strategies and not really going in with like, well, what works for you specifically? And what's going to get you moving forward? And have you talked to someone who's been through the same struggle as you? It's like uh, taking that time to invest in yourself. You know, when I paid you, it was an investment for me. And I was investing in me. It wasn't like, well, I can learn this on the internet and I'll go online and I'll figure out how to do an arm bar and then I'll figure out how to do it. Like, uh, yeah, I might, but it would also take me five years longer and can just pay someone who already knows how to do it correctly and make my life easier. Yeah, this part you said about the strategies, there, as you mentioned, there's so much information And one of the problems that happened too is there's some people that end up consuming everything, go to seminars, go to retreats, go to camps, so many things, but, and they just keep adding stuff, but they're not really executing. And I remember yeah. reading about the difference between the, the librarian of the mind and the warrior of the mind. There was a lot of that a stoicism approach and saying that, The librarian of the minds, the one is just just getting the data, just adding, adding, adding stuff. But the warrior yeah. of the mind is the one that is learning, executing, you know, getting right, getting wrong, and just putting putting on the line, just you know what, let me try what I'm learning. And yeah. that's a and that's a big difference that sometimes people get caught up even waiting for the moment when after I do this and this and this and this and this, and then I'm going to do that and so forth. That gets people in so much trouble because they, because they have certain conditionings that have gotten them to where they're at, but they won't get them to where they want to go. And so, and you can't know what you don't know, you know, like you, it's kind of hard to just sit there and say like, Do I know this all by myself? Like everybody has their own blind spots. So if you have the blind spot, it's going to be pretty difficult. And just off what you're talking about with the implementation, I'll tell you every single day, if you told me, Cliff, you can, you can challenge this black belt who has won so many tournaments, who has trained for 15 years, or you can go with this black belt. He's never, ever trained a day in his life. He's never done a technique, but he's read thousands and thousands of books on it. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know whether you have the books. <laughs> I know I'm going to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> it's just the way it's going to go. <laughs> that is very true. And what has been some of the biggest struggles in your entrepreneurial journey? Because we all go, you know, go all kinds yeah. of different struggles. So what's some of the, the big ones for you? Um, uncovering my blind spots. You know, we all have our own blind spots. And when I walked away, and it's kind of, it's funny to admit this, but I went into a f fulfillment by Amazon. So I was still coaching, but I was doing fulfillment by Amazon because I heard you could make a lot of money doing, doing that. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and I was actually getting okay at it. I wasn't doing too, too bad at it. I didn't like it. It wasn't very fun. And when I hired a coach to help me with coaching, I'm like, oh my God, right? Why didn't I just, why didn't I just package what I'm already good at and just sharpen it up and polish it up a little bit more? But we, we don't know what we don't know. You know, I ran into the noise myself. I heard I could make a lot of money in Amazon. So why not give it a try? And so it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Now, and you've been doing speak engagements and everything too. So what are some of the main things that you share? Some of the main topics that you love to talk about? So I focus on principles and I think there, there's like six solid principles. If you follow these, you will get to where you need to go. But again, following them means you have to put in the reps in doing them. And so I'll, I'll talk about if, if a person can think big and feel big and practice, take the practices necessary to getting there and effectively plan it out and act with passion and have the faith that they need to have because there's going to be faith in this process. It's not always easy. It's not always an easy process. In fact, things are hard until they're easy. You know, even if you're naturally gifted, you'll start seeing that your gifts won't get you everything that you need, just not enough. Because there's other people who are just as gifted and who are putting in the work. You know, and then the fifth is, if you look outside of yourself for things to make it better, it won't happen. Like if I go, Gustavo, make my life better, make it easier. Like it's just not going to work. And so I got to be responsible and take responsibility of what I can do. Figure out the resources that I can create, right? And then the six is the greatness within. And that's something it's really focusing on that ever encompassing mastery, you know, mastering being your best you. When I was looking to be my best fighter, I was looking to be the best fighter, best husband, best friend, best everything. You know, why not try to be the best in all areas? And it's not to say like you don't have focus points on what you're working on, but it is to say those focus points can help you be stronger in other areas of your life. With you being a solid coach and a great coach for what you do, that can help you with your relationships. For sure. Now, what did you say is one habit that you practice daily? My daily habit is really being present. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do. Yep. It's, um, and I didn't realize how hard it was because I've been practicing it for so long. But it's important, you know, just being present, being in the moment 
taking a breath and saying, wow, I'm filled with un, untapped energy that can do anything that can, can, we're creators. We are natural creators. And when we get into that moment of creativity, that's when beautiful things start happening. When did you start being more aware of being present? Like start to like really pay more attention of being. The first time I looked in the mirror and I saw how fat I was. I think, no, no, let me take that back. When I was five years old, my grandfather passed away and it, it just, it scared the crap out of me, terrified me, knowing that that one day would happen to me. And so that's where I got really aware of self. And then the second time was I looked in the mirror and I was overweight and I didn't like what I saw. And so now I started seeing like, okay, the more aware I can become, the more present I can be. Like, that's what it is. People don't mean to F up. They're just not aware of it. Yeah, one thing that I've heard Tony Robbins saying many times that it's not that it, it takes that long to change or to take the longest is to have the clarity to change because when you have the clarity it's like a switch it's just a boom or like oh my god i i, I just couldn't see it you know, absolutely that's what, take, that's what takes the longest yeah what is a what is one of the best piece of advice i've ever received and that could be in anything could it be wrestling could it be jujitsu fighting life business what's what's something that comes to your mind Two solid ones from my parents. Um, when I was six years old, my dad had me look in the mirror and he said, take responsibility of your life and accept the consequences, good and bad. Um, my mom said one, this was actually recent too, because I love asking questions and I love figuring out where people are in their life and their journey. And I asked my mom, what's the most important um, What did I, how did I ask her it exactly? I'm trying to think. I said, what was one of the most valuable lessons you learned? And she said, to have complete empathy for others. Like just to nice. care. And I was like, that was kind of the conclusion I came to as well. It's, empathy is a powerful thing. And now I think we need it more than ever. True. And And talking to me still about, about lessons and what are some of the biggest lessons that you learn as a competitor competitor that includes yeah the the wrestling the mma fighting but just being a competitor biggest lessons that you take for your life so i have three phases that i went through uh one was it's me versus the world and i'm like it's me versus the world i'm gonna do everything that i need to do And then I went a stage deeper and I said, it's, it's you versus you. No, you're not competing with anyone else. You're just competing with yourself. And then I took a, a stage deeper and I said, the world works for you. Whatever thing you're going through, whatever difficult challenge you have, the world's working for you. And you get to learn the lessons that you need to learn and move in the way that you need to move. I like that. And what did you say, maybe try to um, think here, uh, a timeline? Well, I guess you can go when, when you start, when you finish fighting 
And when was 2017? When was the last time you fought? 2017, yeah. Yeah, so it's been not too long ago. So only maybe three years ago. But if you have to go back and have a conversation with Cliff and then just give him some some piece of advice, be like, hey, now three years, only three years, but anything that you could give him a tip, especially regarding to entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, I feel I was present enough to take the information that I needed to take and learn the lessons that I needed to learn. And so I, I would really just say, keep doing what you're doing. Nice. Be as present as you can and just be open. Yeah, because I mean, of course, not that you want anything different. You know, you're happy in yeah. the moment that you add in your life, but sometimes just having that, uh, Uh, it's good that you have that awareness. Now, if you go a little bit deeper, when you're mm. starting your MMA career, what would you mm. tell Cliff there? I would tell him, you already know it's more than just you. Because I, I wanted to spread a message. Like my whole message was a message of love. Do right by people. Right. And I knew with, with fame, I could get that. Like it just, it, it helps the message echo. A little bit more but i would have told him make sure to do all the other parts other than just the fighting because the fighting won't get you there alone creating the tribe will help get you there if i would have been building my tribe longer i would have just had a bigger tribe right on now let's talk about books So books that have impacted you at some moment in your life. And of course, there's different topics. But yeah. when you talk about books, what are some of the books that come to your mind? So I like uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. There's another one, Psycho-Cybernetics. I cannot remember the name of the author. Maxwell Maltz. Yes, yes. Um, those were two very solid books for me. Uh, what else? I read The Ultimate Sales Machine, uh, Good to Great from Jim Collins. That was a book. I read that one a couple of times. Yeah, that one's an amazing, amazing read. And I have a feeling like even talking with you about it, because I know you, you run your ship a certain way, mm -hmm. right? He talks about like getting the people on the bus and getting your people in the right seats. Mm -hmm. Like I respect anyone who can do that. Because that's true leadership right there. And when you lead correctly, you know, the, there is no limit. That's the beauty of it. And the other option that they say is if the person is not aligned with the, the sign of the bus, you know, the message, they have to leave the bus. You know? Absolutely. So, and, yeah. it, and that is very hard, especially yeah. when you have personal relationships. You know, it's not just some corporate maybe employee that they don't even know like hey you got to scratch this person or whatever you have mm -hmm. a relationship with the person and it's hard man to have this balance of course that um i'm after i read this book they really open up my my mind for for a lot of things like man you know different moments i've i've talked about this in a podcast different moments that i like to say the analogy of a hat You know, like in my case, I have to wear 
the hat of okay the boss or the teacher or the friend you know and especially for sometimes couples who work together you have the hat of the husband or the wife and you have you know and but at the same time a co-worker you know yeah. and having that oof, man that's a that's a big challenge is that something that usually people talk with you about it in, in your programs too they address this yeah it's um it's a very real thing because you do have it, it you're put in a position to where you have to learn so many different things and how to adjust and what to put the reps in to as well and then what to delegate to other people like it's a whole process of putting it together and and sometimes it's just like i almost say like focus on what you can like leadership moves forward right and so as you become a better and better leader you can do more and more things and you're looking at the 360 Whereas you might have people that you've delegated things to that can only see the 90 degrees and that's their job. Just as focus on this 90, you focus on this 90 and the other two focus on the other parts of the 90, right? Mm. But being that leader and I respect anyone who goes into a leadership role because it's, it's not always easy. It's just not. You're taking on all of that stuff and figuring out how to make these things work the way you want them to work. And sometimes, even when it does get personal, because it does, it's like, ah, oh, this isn't aligning with my core values. And I need to figure out how to release this, this part. Offense is going to happen. <laughs> it's, just, it's, yeah. it's not easy to do. Now, Let's talk a little bit about jiu-jitsu. Man, what's your motivation to keep competing? You know, I've been doing, again, for a long time, competing at a high level, and mm -hmm. you still go there and, and compete and compete well. So what's your, what's the difference now, you know? So jiu-jitsu makes it real. It makes life real, right? So as an entrepreneur, you can have a slow death and just, slowly have bad things take you out of business when you compete it it lets you know are you sharp or are you not and what are you doing to stay sharp it's very real they don't have entrepreneurial games like they don't have like and may the best entrepreneurial win today <laughs> right but competition is real you can't get away from it and so you'll know when you're slacking And I say, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gustavo, because this is your world, but I look at the blue belts and I look at the black belts and it's almost like by the time you're a blue belt, you pretty much know most of the moves. Like as a blue belt, you pretty much know most of the moves. But those, they close so fast, those windows, they just, and they're thinking 15 moves ahead. Whereas mm -hmm. I, it, a blue belt might be thinking like one or two moves, like, oh, I'll try this one and then this one. A black belt's thinking like, oh, I'll, I'll try these eight moves to put you into this ninth move. And I'll time it in a way that I'm setting you up into this trap. That's what business can be to an extent too. Like you're trying to think, you, you are competing. There is competition happening. 
right? But the very best know that they can only get better. The very best, and they only want to play in the hardest part to play in because they know if they can go this high and most people are used to this, well, they'll be out of business whenever you want to take them out of business. And now we're getting close to the end of the interview. And now what are you currently excited about recording this in July of 2020? Uh, a tough moment for the whole world. So, mm -hmm. but what are you currently excited about? What's going on with your coaching? Um, I'm super excited to be on your podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to have, there's so many opportunities. You know, I'm always looking for opportunities. If I wanted to look for problems, I'd find those too. And Absolutely. yeah, yeah, Corona's, Corona's an issue, but we got the solution. And it's up to us to find solutions and, and move ourselves forward as a community and as a society. Right on. And can you give your site so people want to know more about your work? Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me at cliffordstarks.com. And I also have a Facebook group that's called Awaken the Greatness Within. So if you want to learn more about me, see if I'm a good fit before you even get on the phone call with me or email me or anything else. You can check me out in my Facebook group and see if I'm the kind of guy who would be a good fit for you. Right on. Cliff, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, thank I'm you. Big fan of your work too, man. You've always been so respectful uh, since the beginning, the training and the academy, always been super respectful and hard worker. So it's not by accident that you're, you know, able to compete in the highest level in MMA and transfer all this experience to people and um, with your coaching program. So, man, that's that's really cool to see, man. Congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. And I'm glad you're a part of my life as well. You know, I learned some very valuable lessons from you. And I continue to just move forward and, and be the best person that I can be. Yes, sir. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's... Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the former UFC fighter Clifford Starks. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Cliff is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu and the owner of Starks Transformational Coaching. He talked about his wrestling and MMA career and my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him about his mindset towards entrepreneurship when he stopped fighting and his answer inspired me to title this episode, Put Your Reps In. When he talked about putting your reps in, he shared the hedgehog principle from the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, one of my favorite business books. As you already know, I like to research information online to share with you, and I found a video on YouTube of the author Jim Collins sharing the hedgehog principle. Check it out. If you think about sort of how people apply themselves, when we go back and we look at the good to great data and some of the other data, we find that, that there's these three circles and you put your energies in the middle of three circles. And the first circle is what you're passionate about and what you love to do and what you stand for. And the second circle is what you can be the best at and the third circle is what drives your economic engine. Okay, now, and you focus your energies there, but let's drop that down a level to the individual. 
How many of the folks under age 30 in here have had cross your mind the thought, I wonder what I'm going to do with myself? <laughs> okay. I'd like you to think then about finding your own three circles at an individual level, which is, think about it this way. Imagine that you could engage your energies and your time directly in the middle of three tests. First, it is something for which you have great passion, that you love to do, and that absolutely reflects your values. And when you wake up in the morning, there's this sense of, my goodness, even if I'm getting paid for this, I would want to do it even if I wasn't getting paid for it. Now imagine if in addition to that, you could marry it to a second circle, which is finding what you're genetically encoded for. And there's a big difference of what you're good at and what you're genetically encoded for. I discovered this as a young person. I went off to college. I thought I would be a mathematician. I had done well on math tests. But when I entered courses like Real Analysis, I met those who were genetically encoded for math. <laughs> Not being one of them, I needed to find another version of my three circles. <laughs> and now imagine the third circle. As you're engaged in something that makes, that is of, of great value, it's of either social or economic or both of value. It makes a contribution. You are useful. Now imagine you have all three. Man, I'm passionate about this. I love to do it. It expresses my values. I'm genetically encoded to do it. When I do it, I feel like a fish in water. And then finally, third, I'm useful. And what percentage of the world do you think has that? 5%? Maybe not even. What would happen to the world if, let's say it's 3%, if we then made it 20% of people who are doing what they're passionate about, genetically encoded for, and are useful, are in positions of real contribution and value? Now, I don't know the answer of how we make that percentage go up. But linking back to the idea of Maslow, how did he describe self-actualization? It wasn't hanging out on the beach. <laughs> he defined self-actualization as discovering what you were meant to do and committing to the ardor of pursuing it with excellence. The purpose of free society, I would suggest, is to systematically increase the percentage of people who do exactly that. And then they can do it for very long periods of time. I hope you enjoyed the audio and I highly recommend the book Good to Great. As Cliff mentioned during the interview, put your reps in. Nothing beats consistent work. If you focus on getting 1% better every day, at the end of the year, it is 365% better. Reflect on the three questions. What can you be the best in the world at? Second, what are you deeply passionate about? 
And third, what drives your economic engine? Figure out the answer and put your reps in. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.